if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. A great morning, dare I say. On AM 1420, The Answer. It's 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. It's a Friday. And you know what we like to call Fridays around here? Free for all Friday! (laughs) And it's a great one today because I was wrong. It's a great start to our day on this 24th morning, the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023, because I was wrong. Nobody likes to be wrong, but sometimes it's better if you are, and and I am willing, I am man enough, confident enough to say that it is a great thing that I was wrong. Last month, there was um, a meeting of the Republican Party's State Central Committee, and they were taking up, uh, of Cuyahoga County, Republican, uh, let, let me do this again, Republican Party of Cuyahoga County took, uh, had a little meeting, and they were considering what to do about the lone Cuyahoga County Republican in the Ohio State House, who uh, joined with 21 other Ohio Republicans in the State House to give away the 67-seat majority that was granted by the voters uh, in that General Assembly on the House side of things. The supermajority of 67 would have combined with the supermajority in the um, in the Ohio Senate to allow us to do what needed to be done to make this a truly, wonderfully conservative, values-oriented red state, a dripping red state, the way we should be 
And the reason I say we should be is because that's what the voters have intended. That's the reason we had those supermajorities. Republican voters came out en masse and over the course of the last few elections have given their directive. We are a red state. We believe in conservative values. We believe in conservative legislation. And we expect you to go to the state house and deliver it. And even if we have a Democrat light governor who may veto some of this conservative legislation, which we know he can and will and has, we can override it with these supermajorities. All we've got to do is stick together and do our thing. That's what the people intended. That's what the people wanted. But unfortunately, as you know by now, the split happened. The 22, the gang of 22, as they are sometimes called, Republicans, including the lone Republican in Cuyahoga County to win a state uh, to win a, uh, uh, a seat in the state house, longtime legislator Tom Patton, they all joined together and said, "We're not going to follow our our oath. We're not going to follow our promise. We're not going to vote for the person who won our caucus vote in November." which, of course, was Derek Marin, we are going to go another way. And the way we are going to go is to partner with 32 Democrats who would have no say whatsoever on any of this legislation, none of it, because they're such a small minority. We have the supermajority. We're going to go ahead and partner with them and give them power, give them a voice, give them a seat at the table, give them and our chosen speaker full autonomy and authority to stop any vote from coming to the House floor that he sees fit, we are going to break that supermajority, which is why I started calling these uh, uh, these particular Republicans what they are. If they are Republicans, but they are identifying as Democrats, well, they are trans-Dems. The trans-Dems have already done a lot of damage, which we will discuss. But last month, to get back on task here, last month, uh, the RPCC got together, and uh, they were considering a censure of these individuals. And in this particular case, it would be the one Cuyahoga County Republican, Tom Patton. And they did not act with a motion to censure. And I came on this radio station, and I came onto this program, and I ripped them up one side and down the other for their weakness and what I called their fecklessness. I, I, I was, they were worthless. They were useless. Why weren't they doing what has already been done in other county GOP meetings? Censorship of the 22. Censure, which is different than censorship, by the way. Censorship, which has been done of other individuals in their home counties, in their home regions from, which, from, from whence they were elected. Why is the RPCC so weak, I yelled. I could not believe that they were going to let him off the hook. They were going to refer this to a future disciplinary committee meeting. And then they'll talk about it later. And I was not having it. I thought that this time that was going to be granted in between would have lessened the uh, the anger and the, the outrage at what was being done by Patton and Jason Stevens and the other 20. And I thought that all this was going to do is let some time go by so that the blow and the sting is softened just a little bit and where eventually this is just going to fade away. That was my commentary. And I was, I was strong in it. I was loud because I really don't do anything not loud. And last night, I found out why they did what they did. And last night, I was proven wrong. And I, 
again, uh, I'm not usually happy about being wrong unless the results are positive results, and that is exactly what happened. Last night, the RPCC got together again, and the State Central Committee and Executive Committee got together again, and they had a vote. They had a long debate and meeting in which plenty of commentary and testimony was offered, and finally, Tom Patton himself saw fit to show up at an event that was going to decide potentially his future within the party. He actually showed up, and they acted on the recommendations of the disciplinary committee that met without Tom Patton's participation, his choice, and last night they did what needed to be done. Last night, they not only censured Tom Patton, they declared him ineligible for endorsements from the party and thus funding in this election cycle, which means that going through 2024 and Tom Patton's expected run for the Ohio Senate, since he's being termed out in the Ohio House, and they have booted him from the executive and uh, state central committees for a period of two years. It was a smackdown of the first order. It was something that, again, I didn't think they had the courage to do. I thought they were going to try to just, you know, let this whole thing fade away. I could not have been more wrong. I'm so happy about that. And to the entire RPCC, I offer my apology, and I also offer you... Which, by the way, I have been informed by several people who were keeping me abreast of what happened last night uh, via text. A number of people wanted to scream after the vote toll was announced, 71 to 58, to censure uh, State Representative Tom Patton. A number of people said they wanted to bust out with a can you dig it when it was over, uh, which means, which is a good thing. That means that they were thinking of some of the things we have discussed on this radio program as that event went on last night. So we have a lot of people to talk about what went on last night. Nobody is more important than Lisa Stickin. She, Lisa is the uh, chairman, uh, chairperson rather of the uh, Republican Party of Cuyahoga County. Lisa, it is good to have you on our program this morning. How are you? Awesome. Hello? Uh, can you hear me, Lisa? All right. I don't know if she can hear me. we got to let's fix that. Lisa, can you oh, hear me? I can hear you now. Oh, Hi, gotcha. yes. Can you hear me? Got you now. Yes, I do. Yes, yes. Good morning. Good morning. So um, do you recall the criticism that I was uh, I was throwing your way, not just you, but the entire RPCC last month before uh, you guys had the disciplinary committee hearing? I do. I do. And uh, I do recall that. And, you know, look, as, as chairman, um, I took it in stride because I, as you know, and I've told you this before, I do try to have full commitment to our rules and process. You know, I'm an, an attorney, uh, but also I, when I took the oath as chairman, I do take following our rules and providing due process very seriously. So I, you know, stayed the course on what our process was. And, you know, it's my job to make sure it was a clean and fair process. And I know I've done that in this case and, you know, just following the rules of our party. So I, I just think sometimes um, in the moment in politics, things to be difficult. And then I think giving some time even to your point, uh, between when we met in February and this March meeting, you know, just also to see what was happening in Columbus and to allow people an opportunity to discuss this, to weigh it, and just let your listeners know that our county party took this very seriously. Well, you did. And um, 
what you were doing, which was not apparent to me at the time, was you were playing the long game here. You weren't going to rush into something, rush into a vote without having established and following the rules and having established, uh, you know, a basis for potential punitive sanctions against Tom Patton. And you, you wanted to go through the disciplinary committee, which you did. In other words, you practiced patience and restraint to do this the right way rather than just rushing into it, which, you know, I think emotion drives a lot of people to want to do. And I'm one of them uh, because I really uh, was and still am very put off and very angry at what was done sure. uh, by that, you know, that gang of 22. And and we wanted there to be a massive, massive pushback against that in order to hopefully even maybe reverse things, you know, have some kind of a call at the state house to uh, have another vote and see if we can turn this whole thing around. But the point is, you guys played a long game and you were patient. And I'm so glad that you that you were, because last night was the culmination of that. So, Lisa, can you how yeah. would you characterize the meeting and how it went yesterday? Again, reports that I was getting, I was getting several people texting me updates as it went on. I, of course, was not allowed to be there. I'm not a member of the committee or the ex- executive committee. But from what I've been told by some, it got very tense uh, and it got very uh, acrimonious in large part because of the group of Tom Patton supporters that came in and were acting a little bit less than, uh, let's just say, a little bit less than uh, friendly. This was a room full with, with passions were running high. Obviously, but I think it also goes to my earlier point how seriously our membership took this issue. Um, this is to your um, lead up here, a member, uh, our state representative who's been in the state house for a number of years, previously endorsed by our party. Obviously, the situation with the speaker's vote uh, was something that, that, that threw a lot of us for a loop uh, as we started the year and was something that I think we're just trying to look to Columbus to see what's going on down there, you know, and I just think there's just a lot of different things going on. So our membership really wanted to hear from Representative Patton to really talk about this issue in depth. This was a long meeting. This was a special meeting. Uh, when we met in February, uh, part of the requirements of the motion to refer this matter to the discipline committee was that it be resolved by the end of March. That's why we set this meeting when we did. Um, per you know, Ultimately, it was a unanimous decision of our committee uh, to do this process and to refer this. I do think when you have someone who's been a member of the legislature and who's served in the party, it is good to afford them an opportunity to address the body, to, to essentially provide information because people want to answer to questions. You know, that's what, that's what we're looking for here. We're not, um, you know, I agree, especially as a conservative, uh, I, when I, when, when an elected official does something I don't agree with, I'm, I, I, I get you. You're upset because you're, you're, we're party strong and we're party loyal. Um, and it's not even just the party. It's a conservative platform and having a supermajority in Columbus. We want to see that agenda, um, you know, enacted that the majority of, you know, look, the majority of voters in Ohio sent a conservative supermajority to the House. And that's the agenda we expect to be delivered. So certainly that's what we're looking to ultimately as our end, end goal here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about even one individual member. It's about the it's about the state and the future and the legislation. So yes, I, I think it was appropriately passionate, um, and I I do think on the whole our membership, you know, while some uh, were more outspoken than others, you know, once we took order of the room, we were able to go about our business. And I do feel confident in telling your listeners that everyone felt heard in that room, and that was what was important to me as well. Lisa, we're talking with uh, the uh, chairman of the uh, Republican Party of Cuyahoga County. Um, I was I was told that it was a little more than 
passionate at one point, and in fact, somebody didn't want somebody else to be heard. You are the chair. You hold the gavel. But I understand that gavel was taken from you and hammered down by Representative Patton himself in order to try to silence one of the individuals speaking last night. Can you speak to that? Well, let, let's be, I want to be clear about that. So um, we had the, the primary microphone in the front of the room. So mm-hmm. when Representative Patton came to speak, my gavel was in front of him. So it was not, I mean, nothing was taken out of my, my hand. So I want to be clear about that. But oh, No, I meant that figuratively, um, no, that, that, that you as yeah, the chair are the only person who's supposed to hammer that gavel down. That's and right. somebody no, took no, no, that no. role I, from you is what I mean to say. I understand. I just want to be yeah. clear with everyone. Um, no, and, and, and that did happen. And I, I did take order of the room. And when, when people were trying to speak over others, I, I always took order of the room and reminded everyone, understanding everyone's excitement, passion, you know, but we have to have decorum. And, you know, on the whole, our group does have decorum. Um, you know, it's, and, and one person acting inappropriately is not going to shut down the conversation. As a facilitator and keeping a clean process, that is something I'm very committed to do is making sure, you know, we keep the order in the room and, and we did. And I don't agree, I, you know, with anyone trying to shut anyone else down and um, just rest assured that, that we took control and made sure the conversation was back on track. So last thing for you right now, Lisa, and we're going to keep this line of conversation uh, open for a sure. while, uh, but, but where do things go from here with Tom Pat now being uh, dismissed from the executive and from the state central committees committees? He's uh, uh, censured. He's got this two years in which he cannot be uh, 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 receive any endorsements or funds, et cetera, et cetera. Is he essentially uh, excommunicated from the party or how does the relationship from here go forward? Look, that was a tough meeting and, and it's certainly a tough decision of the party. Uh, I also think, you know, this is a county party that has made tough decisions and endorsements in the past too, and that have not always been popular in all corners of the state, but that's our committee, you know, has, does their job. We have a process and, you know, we have many committed conservatives on our committee and, uh, you know, I, I proudly stand with them. Uh, the decision of the party, I stand with all decisions of the party, especially one that we have a clean and honest process. I don't think that we go from here in a situation where anyone's quote excommunicated because I do think, this is about what I told you, the ultimate agenda, coming together and bringing everyone together and getting the agenda done. I also think Representative has the opportunity through his legislative actions to show the party and get everything back on track. This is ultimately about passing the conservative agenda that I spoke of and really making sure that we take Ohio to that next level and get all of the um, you know, craziness, the woke agenda under control. I, I want to remind you, you and I talked maybe a couple of months ago where I, we talked about Alison Russo gloating right. about right. the infighting in the party. And, you know, that stuck with me this whole time since I, I read those comments from her. You know, they love the infighting and the drama. And this isn't about infighting. This is about, you know, our process, making sure the rules are followed and making sure our representatives have the opportunity to explain themselves and also ultimately can be held accountable by the committee. But we don't want it to devolve into factioning and infighting. We need to come together. So, you know, I want to let you know, Bob, I'm just calling on leaders in Columbus. Step up to the plate. I mean, we need you guys to get this agenda through, and we need leadership there uh, in the House to, to make sure this happens. 
That's very well said, Lisa. All of those things are needed. Uh, this is obviously just a step in a larger process, what happened last night, but I think it's necessary. And sure. I hope every other county uh, that has one of the 22 in it uh, that has you know, taken the steps that they have to weaken the conservative movement that the voters very clearly and plainly wanted to, to uh, run this state. I hope they take similar actions. So n- not so much for the punitive nature of it, but although that's part of it, but specifically to make sure this doesn't happen again, that the people who are sent right. to represent the constituents in the at state house or in the senate on the senate side if it comes down to that that they actually will do what they were what they were sent there to do and not suddenly have a shift and move in a lurch leftward to partner with democrats that uh, the people of the state obviously do not want to have control so uh, i hope that's Absolutely. what happens going forward lisa Sticken, uh, yeah. thank you for your leadership thank you the rpcc and uh, what you were able to do last night i know that's not easy for you or anyone else but uh, i feel like the thank party you. is in good hands and i thank you so much for that thank you bob have a good day thank you bye-bye you too 928, we'll take a time out here and come back. Uh, Shannon Burns is one of the central players in that whole thing last night because of ongoing conversations he had with Tom Patton prior to uh, the January 3rd vote in which Patton joined the other 21 in stabbing the constituents in the back uh, and essentially becoming the trans-dems that I believe that they are now. So Shannon Burns will join me next uh, after the bottom of the hour break on AM 1420, The Answer. Right Radio on The Answer. 937, good Friday morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Senator J.D. Vance is going to be joining me in a half an hour at about 1010. You know, it's funny. Oh, my goodness gracious. Nobody reminded me of the pledge. Holy goodness. Uh, I Normally, I start the show by running down the guest list, and it is a lengthy one today. Uh, and then we do our Pledge of Allegiance before I get into the monologue. We didn't do a monologue because I had Lisa waiting in the wings right out of the top of the show, so I didn't do the pledge either. So let me handle this before I bring in Shannon. Uh, Lisa Stick and Lewis uh, joined us. Uh, obviously, she's the chair of the RPCC. Strongsville GOP Chair Shannon Burns, who's coming up next. Senator J.D. Vance will join me at the top of the hour. Bottom of the next hour, 1035, uh, State Central Committee members Charlie Kalani and Ralph King, who were big parts of last night's event. And then at 1010, uh, Ohio Value Voters uh, President uh, John Stover is going to join me. He's going to talk about, well, one of the ramifications, one of the um, uh, consequences of the great speaker steal of 23, the coup of 22. Phrase that how you wish. Jack Windsor uses those. Uh, that's where I stole them from. Uh, anyway, uh, one of the uh, one of the consequences of that, of course, is going to be the ballot initiative to embed abortion, uh, uh, embed abortion, excuse me, and uh, sex changes for minors into the Ohio Constitution in November. Um, there is a legitimate chance that we might be able to head that off by raising the bar from 50% to 60% to, to uh, amend the Constitution with a special election in August. But the coup of 22 has resulted in a speaker who does not want to do that and can block anything like that from coming uh, to a floor vote in the Ohio House. So this is a mess. And John Stover will hit that part of the story at 1110. So we're loaded up with great guests. Uh, before I get to Shannon, let me ask you to go ahead and stand. Let's, let's do this now. We do this every morning. And I get, uh, I catch hell from people if I skip it or if I forget it. 
and I understand why. Put your uh, put your hand on your heart and face your flag and join us for the Pledge uh, of Allegiance. If you are a believer in, well, things like embedding abortion into the Constitution of the state of Ohio, well, then you don't believe in the liberty that that flag represents. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all all right thank you everyone for your indulgence uh like i said i catch hell from some folks with uh with skipping that so now let's bring shannon burns back onto our program shannon is uh the chairman of the uh, uh strongsville republican party the strongsville gop pack if you will and he was a central player in what happened last night with the censuring and the uh excommunicating if you will at least for a couple of years from the state central committee and the uh uh, uh executive committee uh of tom Patton. shannon good to have you how are you sir I'm I'm doing great this morning, Bob. Great to uh, great to be with you again, Shannon. Uh, obviously, I covered a lot of the ground with Lisa last segment, so I don't want to repeat all of that. I'm going to ask you for uh, your narrative based on uh, how it looked from your your seat and from your spot at the podium uh, uh, speaking last night. Sure. Uh, well, I guess I'd have to start off with you know a little commentary on on what Lisa said. Um, I give Lisa a lot of credit. She uh, stood fast. Uh, protecting the process that the party had adopted uh, with, a, you know, what I know myself personally is a lot of um, behind-the-scenes pressure from the, the donor class and some of the elected officials that didn't want to see this happen. So I give her a lot of credit for that. And, you know, it was a, it, it was a, a night that was, you know, there was a little bit of drama, but overall I think that uh, the party did the business it was expected to do. And, you know, I, I commented afterwards that, you know, Five seven years ago, this party wouldn't even have taken it up. So I'm I'm really proud of uh, to be a member of the uh, county party today, um, and I always have been. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, I guess my my narrative, uh, to, as you said, was that you know, we had an opportunity to finally hear from Tom Patton. <clears throat> I hadn't actually seen him in person for months, uh, and actually hadn't heard from him since the last time he called me uh, before the vote. Um, and, you know, he, he tried to put his, uh, spin on his message and went across the board a couple of different times and had some folks, uh, stand up and talk. And, and I'll tell you, once again, to Lisa's credit, uh, her two predecessors got up and, and spoke against us, um, you know, which, which was tough, I'm certain. Um, but the room steadfast. And, and as I was sitting back and listening to everyone talk, well, there's a lot of different things we could have talked about, but really, Bob, what I think this just came down to is one really simple topic. It wasn't complicated. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this was about loyalty. We, you know, we we talk on the show, and you talk regularly about ideology and 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 specific ideals and protecting those and and fighting for those. But when you're in that room, that room has one first uh, primary interest, and that's the party, right? That's that's the reason for that room to get together. And I came to everyone and I said, this is a simple topic. This isn't about a specific uh, uh, policy that's going to be fought for or not, a specific candidate or not. This is about loyalty to the party. And unfortunately for all of us, uh, Tom Patton exhibited no loyalty to the party. He did the exact opposite. He deceived the party. He lied to individuals. He continued to do so. He's continued all the way along to uh, to do that. And 
And it was a point in time where you just have to say enough is enough. And, you know, all the people in that room, some of the folks don't listen to your show. Some of the folks would never be fought dead listening to your show, but they were still understanding and they believed in that concept. Mm-hmm. And, and I closed the night with, you know, he, he sort of took a couple shots at me when he was at the podium, which well, I, I didn't mind. I never mind that. He, he gave me an opportunity to speak again because of that, because I had a chance to, to uh, uh, have a little bit of a rebuttal. And, you know, Tom Patton, in his speech, literally said to us, well, when Householder did it, you guys didn't do anything. So why are we doing this now? And I got up there and I said, folks, this is why. This is why we need to act. Because when this happened before, this party sat on its hands and didn't do anything. And they're doing it again. And we need to stop them right now or they're going to do it again and again and again. And I think that was the closing statement for the room. And and uh, obviously the results were what they are. You know, we, we had, uh, you know, what didn't make me very happy to have to, you know, Tom Pound's a friend of mine. It has been for a long time, 20 years. Didn't make me happy to have to uh, to, to find that, uh, the finding that the party did, but um, necessary. Well, I think it's a great answer you gave. Um, my cousin is a member of the State Central Committee, and she was one of many people sending me updates as this whole thing went on last night. And she described what you said in response to that as a mic drop moment. Uh, and it sounds like it was. Why didn't you do this before? Nobody did this when Householder, when this happened with Householder before, but now you're doing it. Why? And your answer is, this is why, because we didn't do anything then, which means people think it's okay. <coughs> Excuse me to be disloyal to the party, um, uh, and it's not okay. And we need to hold people accountable. We need to have sanctions in order to stop this from happening a third time. It is exactly the right answer. Um, and I want to clarify something, too, Shannon. We're talking to Shannon Burns, if you just turn the radio on. Uh, Shannon is the uh, chair of the uh, uh, Strongsville GOP PAC, and he was a big part of this whole thing. And you mentioned your friendship with, uh, with Tom, and I want to go into that a little bit more, too, in a moment. But when you say this is about loyalty and loyalty to the party, I want to be clear because what I think you mean is loyalty to the voters and loyalty to the constituents who who represent this party and who chose these leaders to represent them uh, in the Ohio State House. Because um, sometimes people hear the words loyal to the party as being, well, that means loyal to the party over the country, you know, if we're speaking on the federal level. Uh, and it's not. It's not about party over country or party over liberty, but it's loyalty to the party insofar as the party is made up of a whole bunch of voters who said we want you to be there to do what we want you to do not to go go rogue and support the other side we don't support the democrat party ideals and the fact that you partnered with democrats to usurp the authority that we gave you um you know as a super majority um just it, it is disloyal you know shannon and so it's it's not about loyalty to the party it's loyal to the to loyalty to the voters and to the people to the constituents who gave them their power I always agree with you on that. Absolutely agree that it's not party over country. Of course, it's not even party over ideals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I was trying to make the point of was in that room where all of those individuals don't always agree with us. In fact, there's a lot of individuals in that room that are good people that just don't have a belief system. And there's a lot of people that are longtime members of the party that are there to promote the party. Right or wrong, that's, that's what those individuals are there for. So I felt like common ground at that point was we're not going to talk about which policy is the right policy today. Uh, that room is there 
for the sole purpose of promoting and protecting the Republican Party and its brand. Um, you know that you know that's not the conversation you and I always have, but that's what that room is there for. That's that's the purpose of it being there. That's why individuals join the party uh, at an official level, like Tom Patton did, and ran for precinct committeeman and and joined the executive committee, and then professed to defend the party. Um, and that's the one purpose of that room. So when I was talking to those individuals, I did recognize that there's individuals that aren't going to agree with us on on topics, but that shouldn't matter, right? You know, the common ground in that room was that we're all Republicans. Um, you know, some of us may be conservatives, some of us might be, you know, uh, you know, non-conservative in in some right. But the, the the common ground should have been that an attack on the party is something that was an attack on all of us uh, in that room, and that just you know. Not not everyone obviously agreed with that, and that's okay. But fortunately, a good majority of the room did agree with that, and you know it was it 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 created a. You know, I think that there was a speaker that got up in favor of Tom, and I found out afterwards that that same speaker ended up going our way afterwards uh, wow. because of the recognition that wow, I thought this was a, a inner party fight, and this is taking down each other, and didn't think through the fact that this wasn't that. This was actually the party defending itself. You, you can't have a party when your members are, are acting as a uniparty, right? You're, you're doing deals with the Dems and, and work and, and not just working with them, but caucusing with them on one day and then saying you're a Republican the next day. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's exactly right, Shannon. I think that's very well said. Um, and I appreciate that, that great explanation. Um, let me ask you about your friendship. First of all, you obviously have been friends for a very long time. Otherwise, he wouldn't have entrusted you in that conversation. Uh, but I want to know how that makes you feel that in that texting conversation, as you essentially pleaded with him not to be a part of this thing, he denied any knowledge of it uh, to begin with. Uh, you know, where, do, where did you hear that from? I haven't heard that one yet. Where is this coming from, et cetera? And then, you know, as, as things got a little bit closer, um, he, what, what was it? What did he say that he swore in his grandchildren's, the eyes of his grandchildren, that he's not yeah. a part of this? Before he then voted on January 3rd for Jason Stevens yeah. and said, yeah, well, uh, Marin just isn't good for me. Um, yeah. You can speak to that better since you have been friends with him for such a long time. How did you how did you react to that? You know, it, I, I got to tell you, Bob, it, it, it really was painful for me to even have to share what should have been private uh, text messages. You know, I, I deliberated a long time. In fact, it was it was months before I even shared those. But to hear him, uh, not publicly, because he didn't talk publicly until last night, but privately going around uh, the, the district and telling people all of these things that were just blatantly not true, uh, saying that this was this reason. And even last night, he tried to make the whole thing about the householder trial. And, and you and I both, yeah, everyone has seen the text. And we all know that people, unfortunately, we just clear, know that he's clearly just lying about many topics here. But hours, minutes after he took the vote, he said to me, Derek Marin, bad for me, he was going to pass right to work and prevailing wage. That was his reason. That, that was his reason because he didn't have time to make up a story at that point. He just responded to the, the thing that he was believing at the time. And I do believe he thinks that Marin was bad for him. You know, he, was, he had no chance for a chairmanship. He had no chance for, you know, his star was dwindling if, that, uh, when, if, if Marin becomes uh, speaker um, but his um, inability to, to just come clean 
and going around telling everyone, I, I just felt I had to go and share what I knew were the facts, right? Because I had it in black and white. It didn't, you know, it just made me, made me sick to have to do that, but it was a necessary thing to do. Um, and, and with that, you know, to, to see him still try to walk around and say that this, well, you, the, it was like a Bill Clinton moment. Well, that's not what this word meant. It was, you know, everyone can read it and see plain view that he was trying to make the case that he wasn't part of this, that he wasn't uh, doing what, what others were saying they were doing. You know, of course, he mentioned you and he mentioned Windsor in those texts. And, and you know, the, 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 one of the initial reports that you put out on this that you, that you guys were talking about, um, and that was, um, to tell you, it's, to have to hear your friend for this long period of time uh, talk this way and, and obviously trying to save his skin uh, from what is clearly the truth was just a, uh, it, it's not the situation anyone wants to be in, let alone no. uh, those of us that fight every day for um, our values and, so, and have to have this huge distraction. So Shannon, I've got like one minute left. Just, um, <clears throat> is there any recovery from this? for your friendship, for working together again in the future after two years go by, if there is sufficient uh, contrition for for these decisions and so forth? Is there any uh, future of, of working together again or uh, maintaining a friendship? Yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I, you know, will it ever be what we, we – obviously it wasn't what we thought it was. No, I don't think that's the case. I mean, it's clearly now that, you know, that there was a lot of, uh, of uh, you know – untruths continuously but beyond that absolutely you could work with them but i got to tell you right now the the path forward today uh, unless there's something dramatic which i don't expect the path forward today has to be uh to get new maps hopefully these guys aren't going to really uh penalize us for what tom Patton did correct the redistricting get a new state senate district and then support whomever it is that runs in the primary against Tom Patton. Um, you know, at this point, he's been removed from the party. He has been censured. He's not permitted to have an endorsement. Uh, if I have my way, the state party will prevent endorsements as well for the gang of 22. And I believe we can get there. I believe that's going to happen. Uh, so these, these guys will be on an island. They're not going to have access to the caucus money. They're not going to be able to access the state party money, county party money, uh, they, unless they go a householder and go create a dark money account, uh, they are going to be on an island, and we need to make certain that all of these folks recognize not just that we're not happy, but they're not going to be our representatives going forward. Shannon Burns, the uh, chair of the Strongsville uh, GOP PAC. Uh, Shannon, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you doing I know it's not fun. You didn't certainly enjoy having to share per, uh, private conversation, but in order to, to expose the truth uh, and try to stop this from ever happening again, uh, I feel like this is what needed to happen. That's why I was so strong about it in the other counties in which people had been censured, and I have to be that way about here in Northeast Ohio as well. So uh, congratulations on doing what had to be done. It's not fun, and there's a lot of things that still have to be repaired because of what the these uh, 22 have done and are doing but last night was a good first step so uh thanks very yeah. much for your leadership in that regard and uh we'll talk to you soon thank you again bob thank you it's 954 oh. always right radio is right back when you walk in You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. 
We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Now we're number two underway now. It is eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Correction, it is now nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this free-for-all Friday. It's the 24th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Lots of reactions this morning to um, the meeting last night that resulted in what is happening in more uh, counties around the uh, state of Ohio, uh, and that is the censorship of one of the uh, trans Dems who uh, decided to join the Gang of 22 and upend the conservative agenda in the uh, in the Ohio State House, and quite frankly, in the Ohio General General Assembly altogether, uh, we had a massive, massive opportunity before us that we are watching just go right by the wayside, and uh, we're going to continue to talk about that at the bottom of the hour. After the bottom of the hour, rather, as State Central Committee mem- members uh, Charlie Kalani and Ralph King joined me, they, by the way, got behind uh, another effort, not just the situation that had to be discussed with respect to. Uh, uh, to Tom Patton, the lone Republican in Cuyahoga County who's in the State House. But um, what they did, what uh, Charlie and Ralph did last night, was they put forth a resolution for a vote of no confidence in Republican representatives who voted in favor of the newly elected House Speaker Jason Stevens. Um, and they got that done, too. Uh, so that was another huge success uh, in trying to, again, bring some some order and restore some order to the party and uh, and to say to these 22 that just decided to go against the will of the people who put them there, this is not acceptable. This is not okay. Going back on your word when you pledge unanimity uh, to vote for the winner of the uh, of the uh, uh, caucus in November, it's not acceptable. It's not okay. And uh, it's not because they are teaming with Democrats. And if you're wondering exactly how far, oh, I'm told we do have our guest on the line now, so we'll come back to that topic at the bottom of the hour when we talk to... Uh, uh, to Charlie and Ralph. Now, before we bring in our, uh, our, our senator, um, I just want to give you a little taste. When's the last time you said the words East Palestine? I think a lot of people have forgotten about it. They have been caught up in other things. There are a lot of other things happening, of course, with Alvin Bragg in Manhattan and so forth. But one guy who has not stopped talking about East Palestine and not stopped working to help the residents of East Palestine is our state, uh, our uh, senator from the state of Ohio. I think that, unfortunately, a lot of the blame lies with the federal EPA refusing to properly quarterback this situation. During a news conference after his visit in East Palestine, Ohio Senator J.D. Vance was specifically critical of how the EPA was handling government officials in Michigan, who, says Vance, are refusing to take East Palestine soil. It's very simple. If there's a disposal site that is willing to take the stuff and Norfolk Southern is willing to ship the stuff, that should be the end of the conversation. But because the federal EPA has stepped in and provided directives that they are not allowed to do that, uh, you have the slowdown of the cleanup site. Norfolk. So it's a mess is uh, essentially what Senator Vance is saying. And he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, to talk a little bit more about that and beyond. Senator Vance, good to have you on our program again, sir. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you? I'm good. Um, 
a complete disgrace was the wording that you chose uh, to describe the EPA's efforts to clean things up there. Now, as I said, not too many people are talking about it anymore. We're seeing fewer and fewer news uh, cover news stories on it and coverage of it. So people are just kind of uh, moving on, I suppose, unless you live in East Palestine. What are you observing there when you, uh, and you're getting great praise, by the way, for spending as much time as you are there trying to hold, uh, you know, the EPA accountable, hold Norfolk Southern accountable. What, what can you tell us about the actual cleanup efforts right now? You know, I, I will say, Bob, first of all, but my fear is exactly this, right? That, that as the cameras stop paying as much attention as politicians stop dropping in for photo ops, that people are going to stop caring about East Palestine. And I think that's one of my responsibilities as the U.S. Senator to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, you know, I, I will say, optimistically, the cleanup has gotten a lot better since I was last there. I think I was last there early last week. Mm-hmm. And I was very frustrated because you had... I mean, you go there, Bob, and you see it. They're, they're like tiny mountains of toxic dirt because you have these chemicals that have been spilled into the ground. You have to dig that dirt out and then ship it to a proper facility to dispose of it. But no one was willing to take the stuff. And so you had all of this stuff just accumulating in East Palestine. And, of course, the fear is, well, what happens when it rains and this stuff just seeps back into the groundwater? Uh, do you have the very problem you're trying to prevent? So, so look, it's, it's gotten better. I, I will say that the frustration that I had a week and a half ago was pretty straightforward. It was that the EPA provided a directive that they had to approve any disposal site that Norfolk Southern was trying to ship the toxic chemicals to. And I think they were dragging their feet in part because Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer was refusing uh, to take it. And I think she was just politically grandstanding. I mean, you know, these facilities take in much more toxic stuff every single day but she has sought opportunity to grandstand over East Palestine. Uh, the EPA actually has gotten on the ball in the last week and a half. I'm very happy about that. And I really think the question is they're going to have to stay on top of it because, again, every time that this story starts to drift from the headlines, it becomes easier to ignore it and easier for the local politicians, I think, to play favorites here. We just have to prevent that from happening. Senator Vance, I'm not a geologist, so I don't really understand this uh, as far as, uh, you know, how to dispose of contaminated soil. I mean, one would think that you dispose of something by burying it. Well, we're digging it up because it was already buried. The contamination was in the soil. That's what we're trying to dispose of. What is the process, and why would Gretchen Whitmer grandstand on this and not not accept whatever that uh, whatever that looks like? Yeah, so I, I'm obviously not a geologist either, Bob. Here, here's my, my high-level understanding of how this works, is you have to do basically two things. Uh, you, you have to first burn it up uh, to make sure that any chemicals that are there are basically uh, destabilized to the point where they're not going to contaminate anyone. And then you bury it deep in the ground, but in a facility that ensures that it's not going to leach into the groundwater. You know, let's say the burning doesn't do its job. You want to have that backup safety mechanism so that, so that you have this stuff in the ground, but not in a way that's going to affect people around. Uh, there are facilities all over the country that do this. Some of them are in Oklahoma. They're taking the stuff from East Palestine. Some of them are in Indiana. They're taking the stuff from East Palestine. Some, some of them are in Ohio, and they're taking the stuff too. But Michigan in particular, I think, was a huge bottleneck in this process. There was a point where, where Governor DeWine called me a couple weeks ago, Bob, and he said, uh, we've disposed of about 7,000 tons, and 28,000 tons are just sitting on top of East Palestine collecting, and we can't get rid of it. Uh, that That is definitely, that number has gone down. The amount that's been disposed of has gone up. We have to stay on top of them. The thing I've learned about this, Bob, and this is, you know, eight weeks in, is that the situation week to week is so different. You know, five weeks ago, I was furious at Norfolk Southern for not cleaning this stuff up. 
two weeks ago I was furious at the EPA for not letting Norfolk Southern clean this stuff up. Now I think everybody is actually doing what they should do, and hopefully that continues. But if it doesn't, we're going to raise hell again. So the real question, Senator, with respect to the residents there, um, you know, is is have these delays by Norfolk Southern first, the EPA second, and, and Michigan now third, um, are they going to harm the quality of life any more for the people who are there? Uh, because, and I'm not, not concerned just about the soil. I think you said... Uh, about a week and a half ago, there were around 27,000 tons of that contaminated soil there now. I assume there's much less since you said they've gotten on the ball here. But does the presence of that contaminated soil uh, impact the, the groundwater? Does it burning it up impact the air quality? All of these things that we've been talking about, it seems like the longer this takes, the more potential damage there would be for the residents. Well, that's exactly right, Bob. And, and the answer is we don't really know. And I, and I hate to say that, but it's the honest answer because, you know, the thing that I've learned about this, Bob, is, is that our entire federal environmental world is in some ways set up to monitor what you would call acute exposure. In other words, if I go to East Palestine tomorrow and I drink a, a glass of the tap water, uh, I'm not worried that I'm going to get sick from it. But the question is, what if you drink it for 10 years? And nobody has really been able to give me a good answer of what happens after you know, a decade of chronic exposure. Uh, what we're trying to do in East Palestine is basically make it possible for the residents to get the proper testing so they can answer that question themselves. And if, God forbid, there are problems down the road, uh, they can sue the relevant people so they can get the, the, the proper compensation. Uh, the way that I, I'm thinking about this, Bob, is that if you want to rebuild East Palestine, if you think about the small businesses who have lost revenue, the local homeowners whose, whose property values have been decimated, the local farmers who can't sell livestock uh, because no one wants to take it. Uh, the economic devastation is going to be one of the things we have to deal with over the next decade, but there's no way to deal with that devastation until you get the cleanup done. And so I think about this sequentially. Get the cleanup done first, and then second, figure out how Norfolk Southern can be held accountable to make sure that the people there aren't economically devastated for the rest of their lives. We are talking with uh, Senator J.D. Vance, uh, who has been working very, very hard. I don't know of any other politician or any other elected official who has been uh, as uh, uh, determined and dogged in his pursuit of uh, what is right for the people of East Palestine uh, than Senator Vance. Uh, Senator, moving on to a couple of other quick topics while we have you here. Um, You have been very outspoken in your support of President Trump. You offered him a very, very early in the primary race endorsement. Uh, And now you're watching Alvin Bragg try to use his office as Manhattan District Attorney to engage in political persecution by way of prosecution, or at least that's the intent. Now it seems to have hit a roadblock, particularly because of the uh, smoking gun letter, I think, from uh, Michael Cohen's attorney uh, from 2018 that said, this is Michael Cohen's doing all on its own. It had nothing to do with President Trump. Um, your thoughts on whether or not you think Alvin Bragg is going to move forward with this, and if he does, what this means for not just President Trump and his campaign, but I think this is bigger than that, what it means for the country. Yeah, so I, 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 you know, your guess is as good as mine on what Alvin Bragg is going to do. It's pretty clear that he's bounced back and forth on this. Um, I, I think that if he does move forward, uh, it really is an indictment of of the justice system in in the city of New York. And I and I hate to say it, if some of these prosecutors follow his lead, it will be an indictment of the justice system in our country. Uh, look, whether you're a pro-Trump guy or not, and a Republican or a Democrat, you cannot have. The likely nominee, and it's not, not certain, of course, I recognize there will be a primary, but the likely nominee, and at the very least, the former president, one of the most important, if not the most important leaders of the opposition party, facing prosecution 
over a case that even his critics admit is very flimsy. Uh, and, you know, I, I saw this video, Bob, a couple of days ago of this complete lunatic in, New, in a New York City subway. He was a black guy harassing a white family for being white. Yeah, and you think about this person not facing criminal prosecution under Alvin Bragg's leadership, but Donald Trump facing prosecution for misclassifying and expense. Like, that's the claim. Even if all this is true, and I doubt that it is, but even if it's all true, the argument is that he misclassified an expense. So you can harass a family on a subway and threaten violence and not face prosecution, but you can't misclassify a business expense. That's kangaroo justice, and we should not accept it in this country. Again, whatever your partisan affiliation, I've tried to make this as little about Donald Trump, the person, and as much about what he represents. And what it represents is political prosecution instead of real justice in this country. Well, that is exactly right. That is 100% right. And, you know, if we go bigger picture and zoom out a little bit from Alvin Bragg and look at, you know, the prosecutors, the Soros-funded prosecutors in some of America's biggest cities in Chicago and San Francisco and Los Angeles and Philadelphia, even in Washington, D.C., you know, they continue to go light on, uh, 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 you know, criminalizing what used to be criminal acts. Um, they, they have, you know, cash rebail. Uh, then you have judges who give, you know, slap on the wrist sentences, if anything at all. And in fact, you saw this, um, just a couple of weeks ago, the Congress had to actually uh, shut down the uh, Washington, D.C. City Council's plan to uh, erase uh, all maximum uh, penalties or reduce uh, maximum penalties, beg your pardon, and uh, get rid of uh, minimum penalties altogether. Again, trying to go easy on actual criminals who target citizens. And then the same DAs want to turn around and crack down on political prosecutions. So it's not just Alvin Bragg. It's a bigger picture, I think, when it comes to the crime rate in this country, the soft on crime attitude of, sorry to say it and, and, and politicize it so much, but left-wing Democrat DAs is, is leading to a very dangerous uh, situation for Americans. It really is, and it's going to decimate our cities, uh, Bob. You know, I, 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 you know I've, I've been to Chicago. I've been to a number of the cities you just mentioned. A lot of them are, are or at least used to be, beautiful places, not necessarily where I, I want to live, but certainly incredibly important parts of our country. And they're being turned into criminal gang towns because of what these prosecutors are doing. And this is this is explicitly ideological, Bob. What, what, what I mean is the Soros money and the money from other left-wing advocacy groups has gone into these cities with the express purpose of being soft on the types of violent crimes that make it miserable to live in these places. And if you think about the, 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 the comparison here, we're going to go soft on the real crimes, and we're going to go really hard on the fake crimes that have political importance. Like, it's just a complete inversion of justice, and it's something that we shouldn't tolerate. Um, you know, we, we, I mean, we just want to live in a safe country. This is very basic. It's like Sarah Huckabee Sanders said a few years ago, it's not left versus right or conservative versus Republican. It's becoming crazy versus non-crazy. And if you think that people who harass, assault, and murder their fellow citizens should go to jail, well, you're the non-crazy, and you should be supporting some tough-on-crime policies, because we don't have that right now in our big city.
No, completely agree. And it's um, it's it's impossible to justify. It's impossible to make any sense out of it whatsoever other than just brazen partisanship in an attempt to expand political power. Last thing for you, Senator Vance, I appreciate you coming on. I know this wasn't in your chamber, but um, TikTok, your thoughts uh, after some of what you probably saw, at least the coverage. Again, I know you weren't there uh, of this. Um, you know, the CEO essentially admitted that, yes, TikTok can indeed track every keystroke, every phone or every device that an American TikTok TikTok user makes, and they can use that in a variety of ways. They claimed it's only to crack down on, you know, crack down on spying rather than expand spying, but uh, to identify bots and so forth. Uh, But the call seems to be bipartisan. Ban TikTok from use on American devices. What do you say? Yeah, I I, I agree, Bob. I got to say, I've not I've not been a big fan of TikTok. I've been worried about Chinese communist officials using it for espionage for a long time. That hearing was way worse than even I expected it to go. You just watch some of the clips where the guy can't say we're not spying. They, they, they admit that, that, that Beijing can influence what they're doing and how the app is interacting. I mean, my God, with our kids, Bob, this is crazy, crazy stuff. And, and to me, really, the question here is, do we have real leadership or fake leadership? Go back almost 100 years. What would happen if the German government, the Nazi Germans, were actively using our own infrastructure to spy on us, of course we would have done something about it. Do we have the will to do something about it today? Because if we don't, then it suggests that much of American leadership is so interested in fake problems they can't focus on the real ones. Senator J.D. Vance, thank you for your leadership and for your assistance to the people of East Palestine. Uh, I don't live out there, but I don't care if it's Ohio or if it's Washington State. Uh, These are American citizens that need help from their government. Not too many people seem to be interested in providing it. You are. So on their behalf, I thank you, and I thank you for your time here. Anytime we get a chance to talk to you about what's so important, keep up the great work. All right. Thanks, Bob. Have a good weekend. You do the same. Thank you, Senator. Senator J.D. Vance joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. I wish I could have talked uh, about one more Chinese issue because he mentioned the, uh, uh, you know, Beijing being able to uh, access and spy on uh, virtually anything and everything on any device that has TikTok on it here in the United States. Um, They're not just spying from Beijing. The number of Chinese immigrants or migrants or illegals coming to this country is exploding They're coming across the northern border as much as the southern border. And now we find out that the U.S. has started flying them from the Canadian border when they cross into the United States down to the uh, southern border to Texas, where they already have enough coming from, from, from the south. Now they're just getting hit from both sides. It is unbelievable. Rather than securing our borders, we're just shuffling the chess pieces all around the board. It's unbelievable. But we didn't have time to get there with J.D. Vance. Maybe next time. For now, we'll take a time out. We'll get our bottom-of-the-hour newscast. And we're going to come back and go back into the uh, meeting last night that ended in the censure and the punishment of Tom Patton for joining the Gang of 22. We're going to talk to Charlie Kalani and possibly Ralph King from the State Central Committee on AM 1420, The Answer. We continue on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Senator J.D. Vance for carving some time out of his day. He's working very hard for the folks in East Palestine. He's working very hard for the people of Ohio, quite frankly. Uh, In general, he's doing a great job, I think, so far in the United States Senate. 
He's getting rave reviews, I think, from virtually all sides, which is a very unique thing. All right, um, I'm going to give some rave rave reviews for something that happened last night, uh, and I want to give credit to the people who are responsible for it, but this is the way it shakes down. The Cuyahoga County Republican Party Disciplinary Committee recommended that Tom Patton, the state representative from Strongsville, be booted from the county central and executive committees, that he be barred from receiving endorsements in this election cycle, which goes uh, uh, through 24 and what he would most expect to be a state Senate run since he is term limited in the House. Um, and that means he gets no funding either uh, from the uh, executive committee or from the RCP or the uh, RPCC. So what does all of that mean? It means that 71 to 58 was the vote. It means that uh, some accountability is finally being practiced in the Republican Party in this state. Some accountability against the 22 trans Dems who have put us into a very precarious position. Now, one of the guys who spoke last night in favor of censure and who has been a very strong uh, vocal uh, uh, supporter of such moves since the entire steal of 23 or the coup of 22 went down is State Central Committee member uh, Charlie Kalani, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Charlie, good to have you. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Bob. My 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 brain is still going about ten thousand different directions after last night. I, I can uh, understand why. So. I can understand why. Um, Charlie, we're going to talk about the the Tom Patton situation first, but before we're done, I want to talk about the other twenty one because you and Ralph King, another member of the uh, uh, committee, and were you both on the disciplinary committee as well? Yeah, yeah, both of us okay. were on on that. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, the other motion uh, that was passed last night, too, of a vote of no confidence for those individuals. But first, uh, same thing I asked Shannon Burns an hour ago. Give me your narrative on the way things went down last night. What did you expect going in, and um, did it did it uh, play out the way you thought it would? Well, uh, to, a, to a degree. I mean, you never know what's going to happen when you walk into these things. You know, it was expected to be contentious, uh, and and there was no no short uh, uh, shortness on, on tension in the room. Um, it, you know, got loud a couple times and, and, you know, our, our wonderful chair, Lisa was there to try and keep everybody in order. And she did an excellent job of that. Um, you know, it, we, we expected it was, I'd say despite the emotion, despite the heightened uh, awareness of, of what was going on and everything, I, all in all, I'd say, you know, it, it went as good as anybody could have expected it, uh, especially with the with the emotions running as high as they were. The vote wasn't particularly close. It was a 13-vote margin. Did that surprise you? Nah, not really. I was actually surprised at, that it was, as, you know, as far away as it was. Um, but, you know, looking around the room after... So you, thought you, 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 the, you, thought, you thought it would be a bigger margin? Or you thought it would be a closer? I, I I was expecting it to be a little a little closer. I mean, you know, okay. thirteen isn't isn't that yeah, thirteen isn't that that far apart. But uh, you know, when I looked around the room I could tell that, you know, we had it after the the vote to uh support the resolution was taken and then I looked around to see how many people had their hands up uh that were against the resolution. And I could tell that, you know, it was over at that point. So, Charlie, um, give me uh, give me 
a little bit of a sense of the tension you mentioned. You said heightened state of awareness issues. That definitely there was no shortage of tension. What was the source of the tension? Was it Tom Pat himself? Because remember, you know this, of course, you've been reporting on it. Um, he did not show up for the disciplinary committee hearing when he could have shown up in front of that committee and pled his case and made his argument that, you know what, this isn't any different than householder and how come you're coming after me and so forth. Um, so was was the tension brought by by Tom by his supporters or or you know what what was the what was the real you know air air was, like in that room? It was it was a little bit of both, um, but you know to your point as far as, as as Mr. Patton and the and the the story about householder this and householder that, you know I he had multiple opportunities he had every day ever since that unanimous vote was taken to come out and say that you know he had second thoughts he had buyer's remorse he wanted to object but he was afraid to and you know but he can't stand by his decision you know one of the um well I, yeah i won't get into that I was no you know what i will one of the other uh there was another resolution that was passed last night or that was put forward through the disciplinary committee before Tom Patton regarding some, uh, some, some endorsements to Democrats by Republican politicians and, and, uh, committee members. And those people, you know, had a, the decency to resign, but they at least came forward and gave statements on why they did what they did that were, you know, given, given legitimacy. And in Mr. Patton's case, first he, you know, fed the lie about, oh, I'm not doing this. And then it, then it turned into, I'm, you know, Marin's bad for me. Then on one occasion I heard that he told somebody that he wasn't even there. Now he comes up with this story that he's had months to concoct about, you know, householder this and, he, he, he alluded to that he, he couldn't say anything because of the investigation that was going on in the court, the trial and everything. You're not a member of the, of the you know, have anything to do with any of that. You weren't an investigating party. He's acting like he's a, a member getting interviewed by, uh, by reporters of a, a law enforcement agency that can't comment on existing uh, investigations and stuff. That was, that was all after the fact. And then when I, when I asked him, I tried, I tried to push him on the issue, you know, where – where were you with this this twenty minute yarn um, over the last couple of months? He he had the nerve to pick up the, spe- the the chair's gavel and hammer it at me and tell me that I was out of order. I got albacinoed by him <laughs> over that. You're out of order. This whole trial yeah. has, is out of order. Um, I heard that last night. I heard about that last night from you and others, and uh, and how incredibly inappropriate it was. I and, even asked Lisa you know, about you that this morning. And, uh, and, and and you know what, Bob? I, I think that was well. I know for a fact because several people came up to me uh, afterwards, and and they told me that you know that was that was the uh, linchpin for them as far as whether they were on the fence or not for supporting or going against the resolution. So his behavior, I, you know, the, his behavior, and his attempt to silence you as you were you you had two minutes to speak, right? Well, this was this was after. So this was in closing arguments. Um, I you know he, he I, I had thrown my hand up and and you know he was pretty much just ignoring me the whole time. And then after he got done, I I took the the moment there to to make my 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 voice heard here. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's and that's what happened. And the the um, you know it, it, he just showed he showed his contempt and his vitriol for the voters of the Republican Party mm-hmm. in that moment. So um, he um, he took you know, that never moment mind, to hammer never mind the, the previous mm-hmm. right. Yeah, he hammered the gavel down and told you to be quiet. Basically, you were out of order as if he was somehow in control, as if he was the chair of the party. And you're saying, so that, that rubbed some people who might have been on the fence wrong, the wrong way and to the Ab- point where absolutely. they voted for censure because of the way he carried himself there. So, so Charlie, um, it's a big deal. We're talking to Charlie Kalani. He's a member of the State Central Committee. You might also know him as the politically incorrect mechanic. Um, Charlie, um, you didn't stop there, as I noted, uh, and I, I spoke about this earlier. Uh, the other 21 in the gang of 22, uh, aside from Tom Patton, which include the new speaker, Jason Stevens, uh, also got a little taste of, uh, of, of you guys uh, and your displeasure with what they did yesterday. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we, we also passed a resolution. Um, it was done by vo- voice vote with very little objection, mostly because by that point, uh, Tom Patton and people that were supporting him uh, pulled a Houdini and disappeared faster than anybody could see. And uh, we basically passed a resolution of no confidence. And now uh, on the other 21 individuals, because, you know, we're Cuyahoga County, that's, that's about all we can do. You know, they can take it for what it's worth, uh, or they can choose to acknowledge it and act on it. And in that resolution, there was some outs as far as that goes. And, and one of them was to put Derek Marin in the speakership position, like he was supposed to intentionally uh, be to begin with. As he was elected, elected by the caucus. Yeah. He was elected by the caucus in November to be the right. speaker, so uh, that's the yeah, way it was supposed to be anyway. One of the things anyway. Tom Patton kept bringing up was that, you know, that, that vote for uh, the unanimous vote. I can't say that other word for some reason. I My, my, my Italian mouth won't let me. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, he kept bringing up that, that there is no unity rule. There is no rule for, you know, unanimous consent. And I, and I mentioned that in my, in my, my speech last night, that that was a, a private uh, vote that took place. But you know what? He gave his word to his voters. He gave his word to his colleagues in the Republican Party of what he was going to do. And then he went back on it for the litany of reasons that he gave uh, who knows which one is accurate. And, you know, that's, that, that was, that was where the problem was here. It, it, you know, he, he wants to talk about that, you know, while well, I elected a Republican, well, you know, we all know, especially from the events that have taken place from 2019 on up, that just because you have an R next to your name doesn't mean squat if you don't act like it. Well, that's exactly right. And you don't need, and this is what's key here, you don't need a unanimity rule. That's the word you're talking about. You don't need that to have a a, a decision made amongst the 67 that we all agree, whoever wins this vote in our caucus, we will unanimously support. That doesn't mean it's a rule, but it's an agreement. It's It's a handshake agreement, a verbal oath, whatever you want to call it. And according to multiple members of that caucus, multiple who have made public statements of this. There was an opportunity for... Hold on, Charlie. Hold on, Charlie. Let me finish the line. According to multiple people who are part of that committee or part of that caucus, people were given an opportunity to rise in objection 
in opposition to the unanimous vote that would be taking place uh, on behalf of the winner, whoever won the actual caucus vote, and that Tom Patton was a, was one of everybody was there except for one person who had walked out of the room. I think at that point for the restroom, if memory serves correctly, but everybody there. Uh, uh, agreed that the winner of the caucus vote would be the unanimous choice and everybody would cast their vote. No one rose in objection to that. No one put a hand in the air and said, no, I don't know. If I'm going to vote for, if my guy doesn't win, if I'm automatically going to vote for the other guy. No one did that, including Tom. So whether there's a rule for unanimity or not, there, there was a there was an oath that was taken essentially by everyone in the room unanimously that we would support the winner. Go ahead. Absolutely. And, and this was confirmed by multiple people, like you said, including members of the 22 who were censured in their respective counties by their respective central committees. So, you know, if somebody, if this was, this was a, you think if they were going to stick together on something, that would have been something that they, you know, if it it was true or not. And that, that goes farther, you know, for me than, than the people, the, the other 45. Uh, yeah, I, I, I concur. Thing. I concur. That's so, that's a that's and, a big deal. Good. And and on that, and then and, and another thing, you know, I'm sorry to keep dragging householder back into this, but he he brought up, you know, that nobody said anything for him supporting. He he, he uh, sent us a letter. That was the only correspondence that we got uh, from him or one of his proxies uh, before the disciplinary committee hearing took place, and. He, uh, because, you know, as you know, he, he chose not to show up, but he, he said that nobody ever gave him uh, any problems over him voting for Ryan Smith when he was unseated by Larry Householder. Well, there was no unanimous vote that took place in that caucus prior to the floor vote. It's not the same thing. Right. So no, that's that's a great point, and 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 you're right about uh, the fact that some of the 22 um, uh, were among those who have admitted that yes, we did have a unanimous agreement uh, that whoever wins the vote would get our unanimous support, and then they all walked away from it anyway. And now, Charlie, just briefly, uh, because I, I want to talk about the consequences, I want to talk about what what the re, the re, result of supporting. Jason Stevens uh, is in, in one of the biggest ones anyway right now is this uh, and, we, and we talked about it how we wanted to make sure that the vote to raise the uh, threshold for amending the Ohio Constitution from 50 percent to 60 percent we wanted to get on the ballot for May so that obviously when the uh, pro-abortionists and the pro-trans uh, transitioning of children crew gets their uh, ballot initiative in November that they're going to have to go to that 60 percent level um, we couldn't do it because of this, this you know, dragging their feet after the Jason Stevens January third, they didn't even get the rules established until almost a month later, and so forth. So now here we sit, and there's a push to have a special election in August to make that happen, to raise that constitutional amendment bar to sixty percent, and Jason Stevens won't do it, according to multiple news reports that literally started circulating yesterday. Jason Stevens won't do it, and he controls the gavel, and he can, according to the rules package that was passed, stop any vote from coming to the floor for a full house vote. And so right. this and is what happens with what Tom, this is why what Tom Patton and the other twenty one did matters so much because of this absolutely this exact uh, absolutely uh, I think in that rules package I think only maybe what three to five people are, can even bring uh, uh, a bill to the floor yeah yeah I think that's I correct mean, 
it's ridiculous. They got an iron hold, and, and, and you know, had, had Tom Patton uh, chosen to grace us with his presence prior to last night, like we asked him to, instead of sending us, us this condescending letter that was more about admonishing the Central Committee and the Disciplinary Committee, um, you know, one of the questions that we would have asked, I mean, I, I you know, almost wanted to sit in that in that disciplinary committee hearing and just ask my questions to an empty chair because that's about what it would have been worth. Um, But one of the questions that we would have asked were, you know, what kind of deals were made? And and I think, again, and one of the correspondents that I'm sorry, I don't have everything in front of me right now. But one of the correspondents, you know, I think, oh, I know what it was. There was a a, somebody from an, an unnamed individual that was given to another member of the disciplinary committee that Tom Patton did reply to. Uh, it looked like through some kind of, you know, email or messenger service or something. And the guy asked, or a girl, I don't know who it was, uh, uh, you know, what deal did you make uh, with the Democrats? And he said no deals no. were made. Well, we know for a fact that that is a load of crap with this article that came out yesterday on Cleveland.com where basically says Jason Stevens' words is that this this will not happen. There is no chance that this vote will ever see the light of this this bill will ever see the light of day the senate's pushing it through anyway so good on them let's get everybody on the record but um that this 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 bill to, in, to have a special election in august and get this threshold increased uh is is dead on arrival so you're going to tell me that no deal was made bull crap yeah. this is a hundred this has got democrat <clears throat> Uh, slime written all over it. Collusion with Democrat slime written all over it. And I got to tell you, and that's the reason this, I've branded. Uh, that's the reason I branded uh, all twenty-two of them as trans Dems because they are literally this is, this acting lit me and up. identifying as Democrats. This lit me up yesterday. Like you can't believe. Uh, I, I had to apologize to several people that I called uh, and 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 you know that, that are you know like-minded and everything and 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 about blew their ears out on the phone. Um, because I was so hot over this, uh, that that. You well, know, you're not the only one, Charlie, and I, I, I've got to interrupt you here because I got to get going. Uh, and we're going to talk about this this issue, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, constitutional amendment issue with John Stover coming up after the top of the hour uh, in a lot more depth. But I got, uh, what, thank you for doing what thing, you did last one, night. One thank you quick, for one more quick line, Bob. I, I just want to I just want to say I want to reiterate what I said last night. What I closed with: There's no room in this party for closet Democrats. Democrat donors and those who conduct themselves as Democrat operatives. And if you disagree with me, 3615 Superior Avenue is where the Cuyahoga County Democrat Party is located. And on that note, we will adjourn. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it. 1055 Always Right Radio continues on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? 
Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Good Friday morning to you. Uh, it has hardly been a free-for-all for callers, for you. It's been a free-for-all for the guests because we've been uh, heavy on them from the moment we turn on the microphone this morning. Lisa Stickin, the chair of the Cuyahoga County Republican Party, joined us. We then talked with Shannon Burns, uh, Strongsville GOP chair. We talked with uh, Senator J.D. Vance. We talked to State uh, um, Central Committeeman uh, Charlie Kalani. And now we're going to move on to some of the ramifications of all of this stuff we've been discussing. The issue last night at the meeting, of course, was the censuring and the uh, eviction, if you will, from the State Central Committee and the Executive Committee of the uh, High Republican Party of uh, Tom Patton, who as a gang, a member of the Gang of 22, um, essentially sold out Ohio Republican voters, sold out Ohio conservatives, sold out Ohio values, quite frankly, by partnering with Democrats, giving them even a bigger seat at the table, if you will, than the 67-member Republican majority should have. Uh, one of those ramifications was made clear yesterday that the special election in August that is favored and supported by Senate President Matt Huffman to make it harder to amend the Ohio Constitution, raising that threshold from 50% to 60% to change the Constitution, to embed within it things like abortion on demand at any point for any reason without apology, um, uh, embedding into the Constitution something as extreme as sex change operations for minors, all of these types of things are in play, and it only takes a simple majority, 50, 50% of a turnout plus one, to amend the Constitution. So Matt Huffman wants to, uh, wants to change that in August. And we found out yesterday that the new speaker, Jason Stevens, who is only holding that gavel because of the actions of Tom Patton and the other 20, uh, opposes it completely. And in fact, since the rules package they passed means that he can stop any vote from coming to the floor unilaterally, using that gavel as a scepter, waving it and decreeing what will and what will not be taken up for a vote, uh, if he doesn't want it to come up for a vote, it won't, won't come up to a vote. And in November, it will be a simple 50% majority plus one for that type of uh that type of thing to happen, to change the Constitution. Joining me now is somebody who described his own reaction to this when he heard about it as his blood boiling. He's the president of Ohio Value Voters, John Stover, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. John, good morning. Morning, Bob. I got that right, right? If I remember what your text said, your blood was boiling. Uh, tell me more about what you, uh, what you thought well, when you heard that news. <laughs> Well, Bob, I, t I tell you what, you know, I uh, up until yesterday, you know, I have always been blessed by God with a full head of hair. You set my hair on fire also, and my wife, Diane, had to fire, find a fire extinguisher to put it out quickly. You know, this is, uh, you know, laying all joking aside, this is uh, certainly uh, what I, I was informed by uh, some of Derek Nern's people. <clears throat> they, excuse me, they basically stated to me, that, look, if uh, Jason Stevens is uh, made speaker, this was one of the deals that he had cut with Allison Russo, leader of the Democrats, the 32 Democrats in the Ohio House, 
that uh, this would never come up for a vote. And, you know, here's the thing, Bob, that, uh, you know, that I, I wanted to um, provide to your listeners today. And you and I had discussed it. And I even sent you the flyer that uh, went from Jason Stevens and seven other members of the Gang of 22. But here, uh, you know, he was sworn into office January 3rd. That's when he had the gavel. Between January 3rd and up until February 1st, he had the opportunity during that period of time to call the House to order, whereby they could have passed this resolution. Now, what does he want to do? Jason Stevens is complaining because of the cost of a special election, whereas Matt Huffman has basically said, and I quote, if we save 30,000 lives as a result of spending $20 million, I think that's a great thing. That's what he stated, unquote. And uh, we had the opportunity to see that this would have been passed. It was not passed. And uh, so where, where was uh, Jason Stevens and seven others? They were down in Florida, January 17th and January 18th, at a Florida golf retreat for a fundraiser. Event sponsors uh, were asked to uh, provide $5,000 to uh, attend. And uh, this is where the speaker of the Ohio House was when he had where he should have been in the state house calling a special order to put this on the ballot it takes 60 votes in the house 20 votes in the senate it takes three-fifths votes by both chambers to put this question on the ballot in august and our position uh, at ohio value voters is this bob look jason stevens as speaker you know you're one vote of 99 if you're opposed to this that's fine not a problem, but you're only one of 99 members. It only requires 60. So that basically means, Bob, that six other of the Gang of 22 can decide to vote against it or not show up that day for the vote, whatever it may be. But you know what? We need to put every single Republican on record in the House as to where they stand on this vote that needs to take place to put this on the August ballot. John, we're talking to John Stover, president of Ohio Value Voters. Um, you are, of course, right. Um, his vote should be one of 99, not one of one, which, according to the rules package, that they got rammed through without any amendments at all. And I remember, I thought you and I talked about this. I know I talked to several people about this when they were uh, trying to put the rules package together. Uh, no one was allowed to offer any amendments, including an amendment to uh, the rule that allows the Speaker to stop any bill that he wishes from getting to the House floor for a vote. So rather than being one of 99, he wants to be one of one. I say nobody else gets to vote on it, and that's it. Um, it is it is incomprehensible, and it is indefensible, and it's what we warned of when we were so, <clears throat> excuse me, alarmed um, about the steal, you know, the steal of, 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 the, of the gavel from Derek Maron. This is exactly what so many of us tried to say could happen and would happen and now is happening, John. Bob, I would say this. Uh, in speaking with one of Derek Maron's people yesterday, and, you know, I'm always hesitant to state who I've spoken to because I'm either going to have somebody upset because I mentioned their name or I'm going to have somebody upset because I didn't mention their name that I spoke to them. Uh, but, you know, I speak to uh, legislators in Columbus all the time on, in both the House and Senate. Don't speak to any Democrats because I'd be wasting my time. But these are Republicans that I speak to. And the uh, gentleman that I spoke to basically said, you know, we feel that there are some means by which we can. He's holding his cards close to his vest. saying we believe that there are some means that we can pursue that's going to require the House to vote 
on this bill. Now, you know, what, what that is specifically. So, so an end run you know, around Stevens' uh, uh, powerful gavel to say, no, no, there will be no vote. You're saying there is a way to overcome that. That's what they feel. That's what they feel. And they, I, I would say this, uh, Bob, there is one individual, and you had mentioned about uh, the January 3rd meeting, which you're absolutely right. Um, there was an uh, attempt by Jason, uh, um, I'm sorry, Josh Williams, a freshman, very sharp gentleman, uh, a black man who I'm telling you what, he is extremely uh, an asset to the House. But he attempted to stand up twice and was uh, not permitted to speak. But, uh, you know, he's very familiar with the rules. I'm sure he's working close with the uh, majority Republicans in the House to see to it that we can get this uh, on the floor. You know, you know the thing that's uh, interesting about Jason Stevens, I would say this also, Bob, I've mentioned this to your listeners in the past, but two years ago, um, I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Senate President Matt Huffman over lunch. We talked about a number of issues, uh, primarily in education, and you know, not to go into all of that now. And also, uh, Speaker Cup, you know, I had a meeting with him. I reached out to Jason Stevens since January third three times in writing and also um, by uh, leaving a voicemail message in his office. You know. Since you're talking about unity, which you did January 3rd, you know, let's, you know, we want to bring everyone together. I said, let's sit down and talk about some of the issues facing our state. I've not heard from his office. It's been crickets. So, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, he has no desire to to meet with anyone. So we're going to do whatever is necessary as an organization to see to it that uh, we have people throughout the state flooding his office with calls. And that's going to start next week. Um, basically urging that, look, this bill must come out, it must receive a vote, and you don't, you know, you have no right to be holding this bill hostage when, you know, and this is another show I realize, but some of the things that Planned Parenthood and their affiliates, they want to, to, they want to put in our state constitution and make it a constitutional right is just uh, mind-boggling. It's, it's just evil. That's what it is. You know, and uh, also state this, Bob, you know, one of the things that I did agree with um, our former uh, governor, uh, uh, George Boinovich, not a whole lot I agreed with him on, but I did agree with the fact that he did fight to keep something that is uh, scripturally uh, inscribed on the state capitol steps. But Jesus said in Matthew 19:26, with God, all things are possible. And uh, people I know in our organization throughout the state are going to be uh, – prayerfully looking to see to it that we get this uh, vote to take place uh, and give people the right to vote in August on increasing the uh, constitutional requirements to 60%. Well, John, um, with God, all things are possible. Let's hope it doesn't take an act of God to make this happen. Let's hope that reason and common sense prevail here, because I think what the line that you gave before is exactly right. Um, And, you know, and and from Matt Huffman, you know, saving 30,000 lives uh, because there are roughly 20,000 abortions uh, each year in Ohio. Saving 30,000 lives as a result of spending $20 million is a pretty good buy, in my estimation. Um, That's right. You know, I mean, I can't think of too many other ways I'm going to spend my tax dollars that we'd be. And I wish we didn't have to, because, you know, we didn't, we didn't have to if we were, if we were doing things right. But, you know, being, being that as it may, or that being as it may, uh, you know, uh, if that's what has to happen here, then that's a pretty good expenditure of my dollars. But I want to go back. To one other thing that you said, and I want to, and, and this is going to call for speculation. I know you don't know anything for a fact, but I just want your analysis and your observation of the first thing you said that Jason Stevens said there was no deal. 
there was no deal with the Democrats. The, uh, you know, Tom, everybody said that. Tom Patton said that uh, in his defense. There was no deal with the Democrats. That's not why they did this. They didn't promise them anything. And yet here Jason Stevens is essentially saying there will be no vote. We won't even give the, the, the rest of the House an opportunity to vote on a special election in August. I'm not letting it happen. Quote, the county elect- election officials I've talked to are not interested in having an election in August. This is a cost to the taxpayers. This just sounds and smells like the deal that they, in exchange for him getting the gavel and the support of 32 Democrats in that House, that he cannot allow that constitutional amendment to take place, that he cannot allow anything that's going to strengthen um, the pro-life measures in this in this uh, uh, in this state and particularly in this legislature. And this is him honoring that deal. That's just how it looks and smells to me. And I know I'm calling for speculation, but uh, do you see it that way, too? Absolutely do, Bob. Uh, You know, the fact is, is that, um, you know, this this is one of the deals that uh, was floating around. I mean, you know, the... You know, you don't reach across the aisle to make, uh, you know, to look for votes from the uh, Democrats in the Ohio House, as Jason Stevens had, without there being something that they, they want. There's no doubt about that. You know, they didn't do this out of the goodness of their heart and saying, well, well yeah, you know I was what, just about uh, to say, Jason when's the last Stevens time you knew a, a Democrat or a group of Democrats to do something nice for Republicans ever without some sort of ulterior motive in mind? And I'm sorry to, you know, cast such a, a wide, you know, net over that, but I, that's how I feel about it. When's the last time 32 Democrats said, yeah, we'll help you because we think you're a nice Republican without any means to an end? That's right. Um, it's, it's, it just right. doesn't happen. That's exactly right, Bob. You know, and, and the thing that, you know, when you look at, the uh, this gang of 22 and their actions, you know, you have to also look at it from a perspective of future sessions of, in this case, the Ohio House taking place. And, you know, I've, I've said this many, many times. I've never had anyone disagree because, you know, it's it's accurate. The gang of 22 one day could become the gang of two. You have 51 Republicans and 48 Democrats. So now all of a sudden you have two Republicans who are not happy with who was just elected in caucus, as was the case here with Derek Maring on November 16th, mm-hmm. when he was elected to be the next speaker. So you got two members out of the 51, and they go to the Democrats and say, look, make one of the speaker, we'll work with you. So now you got a gang of two. This is the, uh, the just the mind-boggling element here that you look at, and you say, how in the world could these 22 Republicans end up doing what they have done. And, you know, this is one of the things, Bob, I would say, and looking at it from a more holistic perspective, this is one of the things that makes all of us Republicans. This is a pro-life party at this point in time. It's like it's like Ronald Reagan when he was running for president. And, and I tell you what, this is something else that I just can't hardly believe. I had one of the gang of uh, 22 call me and uh, said, you know what, Jason Stevens, he's Ronald Reagan-like. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Are, are, are you smoking something? How in the world? But, you know, one of the things that Ronald Reagan... Was he a former fact, actor by chance? Maybe Jason Stevens used to act. I don't know, because that's about the only thing that I, I can't see anything maybe, else, personally. Maybe, maybe this is bedtime with Bozo or something. I don't know. But, uh, but, but uh, you know, when, 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 you, uh, when you look at, uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, the situation with Ronald Reagan, when he was running for president, they, uh, they said, well, Governor, you know, you used to be a Democrat. And basically his comment, and, and uh, he never used any other, he said, I didn't leave the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party left me. 
So as long as the the rules within and the uh, you know the uh, what what governs the Republican Party continues to be as such. I consider myself a Republican. If it ever happens where their platform does not hold some of these, you know, um, real important issues such as the right to life, such as traditional marriage between one man and one woman, et cetera, I no longer become a, um, I would no longer will be a Republican. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, you know, and the steps being taken by some of the Republicans in the state right now to facilitate that, I think, sadly, have begun. And uh, and I hope it doesn't go any further than this. And hopefully last night's actions from the state central committee and the vote to uh, uh, to censure Tom Patton and the votes to censure several others in the Gang of 22 around the state over the course of the last month and a half or so, hopefully that will lead to uh, a bit of a turn back toward the conservative uh, you know, platform that, uh, that the the citizens and the constituents of the state voted for. So uh, we'll just keep our fingers crossed. John Stover, president of Ohio Value Voters. John, thank you. I appreciate you. I know you're not in town now. You guys are out on a little vacation or whatever it is. So appreciate you weighing in this morning. And uh, my apologies to Diane. No, well, thank you. Thank you very much, Bob. And have a good day. Thanks very much, John. That's John Stover. It's 1127 now. We're going to take this time out through the news at the bottom. And then we've got time for a couple of calls after that, if you are so inclined. I know we've been guest Heavy, not even heavy. We even guessed wall to wall, literally from start to finish, from stem to stern uh, this morning. But I will clear the decks for a couple of calls next on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Miss something you want to hear? Check out a radio podcast anytime at whkradio.com. And a reminder that this hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by our good friends at The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. Thank you to my pair of kings, Mark King at Keeping Medicare Simple and uh, my friend Karam Harzruni at The Floor King. They are the reason we have this third hour. Please support all of the wonderful sponsors of this show, which, by the way, are sponsors of this show for... Uh, two reasons, one from their vantage point and one from mine. They support and agree with and believe in what we do, and I know the value of their services and products. I would not choose them and allow them to work with me if I did not. So make sure that you support them when you are in the market for those particular items. Um, 216-901-0945, we got about 10 minutes to get a few phone calls in here. We're going to go first to Cleveland. Roz, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning. I had the quote-unquote, pleasure of sitting right in front of Tom Patton last night at the Central Committee meeting. Yeah. Um, Juvenile is the best word I can use. The snickering, the yelling to the front. Um, When Shannon got up to talk, Shannon Burns, Mm -hmm. they go, there's the problem. When Charlie stood up to talk, sit down. You've got nothing to say. We've heard enough from you. I literally turned around and said to them, you are not helping your case. The talking over and the yelling to the to the podium was done by supporters of Tom Patton. And might I say, behind Charlie's comment on where the Democrats are, mm-hmm. yeah, they acted like Democrats. Wow. Well. 
Well, you know, uh, the the first act of of a Democrat, in my estimation, was the one that Tom pulled by lying and denying to Shannon Burns and to others that he knew anything about this um, this mm-hmm. movement to usurp the uh, the uh, the proposed uh, authority of of Derek Maron by taking the uh, vote from him even after the caucus vote. He lied about it. He swore on his grandkids' eyes, and then he went ahead and supported it. So that, to me, was a Democrat mm-hmm. act. But what you're describing last night is different. Um, no, it's not different. It's also Democrats, but it's a different example of. Of that so you're saying not just yeah. not just Tom but supporters who came with him they were all take partaking in this uh, this heckling and the sneering of speakers disrespecting yeah them, I understand a chance to talk right I I understand that one of them may have been his son-in-law um, okay. the mayor of Strongsville really yeah Wow yeah that's uh yeah. that's that's a little surprising to me. That's a little disappointing to me as well, given the fact that again, you know, the Strongsville GOP has been so supportive of Tom Pat up until this moment in time. So he chose to go. Oh, he to... was supported. He was there to support Tom. You no, know, that's what I mean. And I mean he's he... one of them that was talking against Shannon Burns. Right. That's what I mean. And I'm sure. That so he chose Tom Shannon... over the Strongsville GOP and the representation yes. that feels very let down by Tom. He, I felt that, I'm sure that Shannon and his group backed that man for his seat. And then to sit there and talk badly of Shannon, which in my estimation is talking bad about the whole pack, mm-hmm. was just terribly irritating. Well, yeah, I mean, Sharon, Shannon's in charge of the Strongsville uh, GOP PAC. So, yeah, if you are going right. to denigrate him, you are denigrating the people who put him there and who, uh, you know, g- chose him as their as their leader. And uh, and and you're right. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I understand there's going to be dis- It's one thing that I think I love about being a member of the Republican Party is the fact that we are not slaves to groupthink. We uh, we often have disagreements. We have different ideas. Mm-hmm. And and the way we resolve those things is to listen to one another and then have democratic process take over, which is what happened in November. The democratic process took over. They had some people in that caucus who supported Jason Stevens. You had more who supported Derek Maron. Everybody was allowed to speak, allowed to have their say. Then they cast their vote. Derek Maron won. We all agree we're going to support the winner, and away we go. So, so mm-hmm. the democratic process involves listening to each side and then having a fair vote for them to try to shout down, heckle, ridicule, and silence people who were speaking and saying things they didn't like is very, very much the democrat way of doing things. Not democratic, mm-hmm. which is what we want, a process, but a democrat party type of maneuver. And that, that, that disappoints um, me greatly. There's this one guy I listen to that calls them, uh, uh, Demorats? Well, I call and, them de- I call uh, them demon rats. I changed the C to an right. N, and I make it and demon rats. And I think rats. that, and that, that I think sits very nicely yeah. with what I saw last night. Um, and uh, if you should talk to Jack Windsor about the way that the committees and the um, uh, the where they're putting bills down mm. there now what committees they're putting them in. Right. It's a mess down there. I, I work with children's issues, and they actually put a, and I blame Tom Patton for this, by the way, they actually put a child support bill 
uh, into the Committee for Homeland Security. They put a child custody bill under civil instead of family. I can't. Uh, I can't understand. Family. Yeah, I can't understand why any of those things would be taking place. Other than, as you say, it's just a mess. But, but I do talk to Jack, and he covers it. And, and I do talk to John, and, he, and John Stover covers it. Uh, you know, he's down uh-huh. there very, very, very frequently talking to the members. So we we will follow that stuff too, Roz. And thank Please you for the do, call. Please do because yeah. who's in who's in charge of that? The speaker. Even. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Ross, so thank Tom you for the call. I appreciate that. I do want to get a... idiot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Ross. That's, that's another way to phrase it. And why pull any punches now, given the way things were uh, handled last night? Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's very disturbing. And we'll follow those other strange turns of events down there. But what I'm more concerned about at this point, like I talked to John Stover about, is the issue uh, of the... Um, uh, the ballot initiative, the ballot initiative in November, and whether or not it can be raised the threshold to 60% by holding a special election in August. And Jason Stevens' firm opposition to that, you know, the way it makes me feel is that he sold out the lives of the unborn for his gavel. Because I think this is a deal he made with Alison Russo and the Democrats. You get me your 32 votes there so that I can beat Stevens. I take over and I make sure that this uh, is not a pro-life state anymore. I make sure that you guys are able to do whatever you have to post-row to strengthen the law and uh, by way of uh, a constitutional amendment and to make sure that women have the quote-unquote right to health care, end quote, no matter what the costs. Uh, that's how I feel like it went. That's my opinion only. Uh, but I but I really believe that's what happened, and that means Jason Stevens sold out the lives of the unborn to get his gavel, and those who supported him have that same exact stink upon them. Uh, Lisa is in Medina. Lisa Woods. Hey, Lisa. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Go right ahead. Thanks. Um, tomorrow we have a McFan meeting. We have Senator Michael Ruley is speaking. Uh, he's from the 33rd uh, Senate District, which is uh, Columbiana and Mahoning counties. Mm-hmm. And it's just really a, an honor to bring some of these uh, great elected officials to meet um, people, even outside of their own district, because sure. they represent all of us, right? And he also sits on some important committees. He's uh, the chairman of the Small Business and Economic Opportunity Committee. Uh, he's on the Primary and Secondary Education Committee, which is, you know, close and near and dear to me, uh, Transportation Committee, and also Workforce and Higher Education Committee. So he'll be our guest speaker tomorrow, and I hope we get some new folks out. Uh, I, I assume since he's Columbiana, I assume since he's Columbiana County, he'll have an update on what's going on with uh, uh, in East Palestine. Uh, yes, yes. So, so a lot of information could be coming uh, tomorrow. So, uh, just to remind everybody, the new time for McFan meetings, right? Move from eight thirty to nine o'clock. It's at nine o'clock, right? Nine nine to ten thirty. So we'll give you a little more time to sleep in, <laughs> which is always welcome, I am sure. So, uh, I... <laughs> so Lisa, just super quick. Um, uh, obviously, I'd love to hear you uh, uh, mention and remind everybody about McFan. But any thoughts on what uh, went down last night? Yeah, I, it, it is a it is a shame. I I really hate the the drama and the things that are going on. And I'm I'm glad that uh, people are are waking up. And I I'm really grateful of your coverage 
of it because people just would not know. You know, there's weirdo geeks like me that really get into this, but not not everyone has the time. <laughs> has the time, but you cover it so so amazingly with all the great people that you have on. So thank you for that. Well, uh, I hope that way I it. have other yeah, <laughs> then I, we have other people to talk to about it because now they know. <laughs> yeah, because you can't find enough weirdo geeks like yourself who are all into this stuff. So we got <laughs> more this way. No, Lisa, I appreciate that very much. And uh, I did have somebody tell tell me yesterday. Remember that uh, um, uh, Central Committee, the Cuyahoga County Central Committee, that my name was mentioned along with Jack Windsor's as having uh, uh, been covering some of this. And I don't recall the context, or I wasn't there. I didn't get the context, but that my name came up a couple of different times and. Um, and that they believe that uh, this program is a reason why so many members turned out for this very, very important meeting, that it might not have been as uh, well attended otherwise. And if that is true, I'm proud of that because that's the reason I'm here every day is I'm trying to make a difference, not just... uh, you know, not just fill three hours of air uh, with with nonsense. I'm trying to make a difference. So if people are listening and it made an impact last night, that's a good thing, and I'm uh, I'm very happy about that. Uh, Me too. So Lisa, thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Nine o'clock tomorrow morning at the Thirsty Cowboy in Medina. That is uh, the next McFan meeting. Lisa, thank you. Thanks to Marianne, who was very busy on the phones today. Thanks to Josh Booth, who ran the show today. Thanks to Marcy, who helped produce the show today. And thanks to you for listening to the show today. It doesn't work without you. And remember what I said too. Please support the sponsors of this program. They're so incredibly important, and they're such great people. Uh, I want you to have a great weekend. I want you to stay healthy. I want you to stay free. And I'll see you Monday morning right here on Always Right Radio. Have a great one. Bye-bye.